Romans chapter 10. Uh, actually, we're going to do a little bit chapter 9. Romans chapter 9 and 10, uh, but we'll start out with verse 10. That's my fault because I'm messing with the cord. Apologize for that, Jeremy. And uh, Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, we'll begin with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, you are good, and your mercy is everlasting, never-ending. Father, we look to you now as we uh, prepare to hear your word. Father, we pray that you'll help us just to see with the eyes of our spirit, with the eye of faith, hear with the ears of our spirit what you have to say. Father, we honor you. Thank you, Father, for giving us utterance by your spirit and in your spirit to speak forth your mysteries, the mysteries of the kingdom. Father, that they are mysterious to others, but your spirit has revealed them to us, your children. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Romans chapter 8, verse 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. As many as are led by the God's Spirit are God's children. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God, the daughters of God, the children of God. If you are led by God's Spirit, then you are, you are His child. And if you are His child, you ought to expect to be led by His Spirit. Well, you're not expecting like, well, uh, I'm going to be mad at you, Lord, if this doesn't happen because, you know, you said and it, it, would, it would surely come to pass. Well, uh, he did say, put me in remembrance. So if you feel like that's not the case and you are his child, you ought to say, well, Lord, you said, you know, yeah, you said that you'd lead me and guide me because I am your child. That as many as are led by your spirit, they are the children of God, the sons of God, the daughters of God. Well, verse 16, the Spirit, King James says itself, but really a better translation is himself, bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. God's Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So really, the first way that you know that you are born again, that you have received a new life that was not from yourself and was not from your mama or your daddy, but this life was actually from God himself. The first way or the main way that you know is because God's spirit bears witness with your spirit that you are a child of God. And isn't that good? Not even that you're a servant of God. Not even that you're just a part of uh, the church of Jesus Christ. But that actually you are a child of God. God's spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God or that you are a son of God, a daughter of God. And so verse 14, as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So if you're a child of God, a son of God, which means that you have been born again, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. 
I think that's one of the best in him scriptures that you can find in all of the 132 to 134 in him realities in the New Testament. The reason I like that one is because if any man be in Christ, Amplified Translation talks a lot about when the in Christ realities, if any man be engrafted into Christ. One translation says, if any man be united to Christ. In other words, if you're engrafted into Christ, it's like, you know, when you graft something, and I love uh, doing um, gardening stuff and all that, so at some point in my life, I'm going to graft, and I'm going to graft two fruit trees together because I want to have two kinds of fruit on one fruit tree, just for fun. But in the grafting process, you first have to wound the tree that you're going to put the grafted branch into. Like Christ was wounded so that we could be placed into him. And he was wounded for our transgressions, for our iniquities. He, by his stripes, healing was purchased and given to us because of the stripes that were laid on him. So as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. If you're a child of God, you'd be led by the Spirit of God. But 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If any man be in Christ Jesus, be engrafted into Christ... He is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Well, uh, man, man, glory to God. The Holy Spirit, God himself, through his spirit. I mean, Jesus is made unto us, what? Wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, but he is wisdom. So look at the wisdom of God in 2 Corinthians 5.17 that old things have passed away. I mean, God knew even before Jesus came what we would go through. But in the wisdom of God, he sent Jesus as one of us so that he could be touched by the feeling of our infirmities. He would be tempted in all points like as we are, and also because he is God himself so that he could actually be tempted yet not sin and be the perfect sacrifice, spotless, sinless. But he knew that man's flesh would always try to take him back to his past. And you did this, and you messed up here, and you messed up there. If any man be in Christ Jesus... He is what? A brand new creature or creation. One translation says he's a brand new species of being which never existed before. In other words, you can't use your old thinking or all of the old information that you learned from some really intelligent, worldly intelligent people. You can't even use a bunch of information that you got from some people who have been born again mm -hmm. but are not dealing in the wisdom of God. They're dealing in the wisdom of the world and expect to be successful. If any man be in Christ, be connected to Christ, be engrafted into Christ, he is a brand new creature. Old things have passed away. And then this is what I was talking about. 132, 134 scriptures that talk about who you are in Christ, what you have in Christ, in whom, in him, by his blood, uh, in his name. You'll find, but behold, just that one word. 
If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So if you didn't know, like from listening to Brother Hagin or somebody else like that, you ought to meditate on the in him scriptures, in Christ scriptures, you could get there from 2 Corinthians 5.17, behold, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. How do you behold it? You have to see it. How do you see it? Well, it's not with these eyes, but these eyes would be the gate for the words to uh, come off the page so you could read them. And your mind's involved in that. You hear it with your ear, your mind's involved in that. But your mind is a gateway. So, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Look, everything is brand new. So you have these old things. He's not saying, look at all these old things. He's saying, old things have passed away. And you're probably thinking like, well, I feel like Paul in Romans chapter 7, like when I try to do good, evil's right there with me, right? Paul's talking about the battle between your flesh and your spirit. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. All right, Romans chapter um, 10, verse 17. So then, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Or faith comes by hearing and hearing by what God says to you or reveals to you or makes real to you. Because that word is the Greek word rhema. And it means a lot of times people translate it the spoken word of God. Well, that's fine. But it's actually real to you. It's like when God, quote unquote, speaks to you. So just because the spoken word of God, I could read, for there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich upon all who call upon him. And that could do absolutely no good for you, and it produce actually zero faith in you, even though faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, and I just read what we, you know, the word of God. But literally, the Greek word for word of God, there's two Greek words for word, one is logos, one is rhema, that is the Greek word rhema. So how my working definition for faith in this series is uh, faith is doing what you hear God say. Or you could say faith is doing what God reveals to you. So just reading the word or hearing the word alone does not produce faith. That would be like doing the first half of Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Faith comes by hearing. That's not what the Bible says. Faith comes by hearing and hearing. By the word. So what? Well, first of all, you have to hear the word. You have to hear, like the woman with the issue of blood. For she heard, you know, she heard and then she said. Well, what did she hear? She must have heard something about uh, there is a man named Jesus going around, and when he touches people, they are healed, they are set free. She heard about the healing power of God in Christ Jesus. There is a man anointed of God. Okay. Hallelujah. So we talked last week, you know, we kind of left off with, uh, a lot of times we are waiting on the spectacular 
power of God and we're missing the supernatural power of God. Waiting on the spectacular, missing the supernatural. And uh, in so many cases, I mean, the main way that God is going to lead us is through our spirits. The witness of our own spirits. Uh, from Proverbs 20, 27 says, the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord searching all the inward parts of the belly. Proverbs 18, 28 says, for you will light my candle. The Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. So God's the one that's going to enlighten your darkness. He's the one that's going to light your candle. I like... Because then he goes on to say, for by my God I have uh, run through a troop and jumped over a wall. So <laughs> I was at a, went to see Pastor Mark Hankins when we lived in Michigan at a church in Chicago. And uh, uh, he said that scripture. And then, the, I don't know, this church is amazing. They had like video queued up for all this stuff. And so they had one of their staff <coughs> persons or whatever had been a... Uh, uh, running in one of the services and they got it on video and so uh, but he went running and then he fell and so he said uh, you'll run through a tube jump over a wall and surely you will not fall <laughs> anytime I read that verse I always think of that because uh, it's pretty funny to see that guy falling all over himself so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God somebody said well like uh why, why did he fall? How did he fall if you're running in the spirit? Like, how did you fall? How did you fall? Well, do you know any manifestation of the spirit uh, through a human is actually through human fallible flesh? Well, like you think, like uh, somebody speaks in tongues, uh, somebody gives an interpretation, somebody prophesies, somebody gives you a word of wisdom, somebody gives a word of knowledge, Somebody operates in discerning of spirits, working of miracles. Well, first of all, uh, those things are going to be uh, manifested really through people's personality, but also, what does the Lord have to work with? So he's working through human flesh and not human flesh of Jesus. Right? In other words, mistake-free human flesh. <laughs> no, he's working through our flesh. So... Uh, you know, let him that prophesies uh, prophesy according to his ability. And so that's why, uh, you know, if you have a word from the Lord, somebody gives you a word from the Lord, do you know it actually amounts to absolutely nothing? Number one, if it's not done by love. But number two, if it doesn't bear witness with your spirit. Because the primary way that the Lord leads is through the inward witness. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. And then verse 16 was the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So you don't have to be worried at all. If someone speaks a word uh, they claim is from the Lord uh, over you, you should already have it in your heart. Or I have had a few times, it's not as common, I've had a few times where there was a prophecy given uh, corporately, and I thought, that's for somebody else, that's not for me. And I thought, whew, I'm glad that's not for me. It sounded like that's some rough trouble, rough trouble going on there. And the next week, trouble showed up. 
but I had the word from the Lord to stand on. And when the trouble showed up, sometimes I'd forgotten about the word because it wasn't for me, so it didn't, I didn't think. So it didn't mean so much. So when it came up, man, I had the witness right there. That's not the common way that I've experienced it. Most of the way I experience it is the Lord's already dealing with some, me in my heart. And then uh, a supernatural, you could even say spectacular type of manifestation happens like that. Tongues interpretation, prophecy, someone speaks something over you. And man, it just like it's burning in you already. And so you're like, does that, you know, does that mean something to you? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it means a lot to you. And, uh, but it's still manifested through imperfect vessels. I like, uh, Dad Hagen said that A.A. Um, a. Swift, who used to minister up here in the Northeast, that uh, he had the greater, greatest manifestation of interpretation and of prophecy of anybody he'd ever heard in his whole life. Now, he talks a lot about Brother Goodwin, who, who uh, uh, was mightily used that way. But he said Brother Swift, when he would speak under the inspiration of the Spirit, he said, make this hair stand up on the back of your neck. And the reason he said was before he became a believer, he, uh, I don't remember even what he did. I think he was some type of, not a medical doctor, but has a doctorate. Anyhow, he knew so many words. He had such a vast vocabulary that when the Spirit of God would come on him, he had so many vivid, descriptive words to pull from that when he spoke, it was a greater manifestation of the same unction and the same inspiration that came from the Lord. So that's just to illustrate, you know, you could have someone else that maybe doesn't even have many words. Maybe they don't even have a high school education. And man, the Holy Ghost get on them and they'll begin to prophesy. But it's going to be different words than someone that has a doctorate right. and has this vast vocabulary. Both of them are from the Lord. Well, or potentially from the Lord. There's people getting other things involved, but that's not our subject, so I don't go there. But you ought to be led by the Spirit of God. You have the inward witness. If you're born again, you know it. I mean, one of my favorite things is when I'm praying with people to receive the Lord, and they receive the Lord, um, and they're not uh, tricked into it, so to speak, right? Apparently, I, we... Uh, we had someone in the church a few weeks ago receive the Lord, and they felt like I, I had uh, tricked them into it, but I really didn't trick them into it. We just were uh, doing like a, a rededication where you rededicate. You, you know, always confess Jesus as Lord, you know. And, um, and uh, they're like, well, no, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. But, but the, when someone receives the Lord, many times their countenance actually changes immediately. It's like there's almost a light about their face. But with all the people that I have prayed with that have been conscious of what was happening, I mean, they're always like, man, I feel like this big weight just was taken off of me. It's a complete change. They have a new life from the inside, and this life is free. The other life is a slave. I mean, all kind of people, you know, some of the history of this nation as far as uh, having slaves and different things like that is, is, is horrible, horrible. But I mean, there is no difference in Christ, whether male or female, slave or free, doesn't matter, race, gender, age, in Christ Jesus. And you want to talk about somebody being a slave, uh, you be a slave to sin. 
That's why even all that happened in our country because people were slaves to sin. So you become a slave to sin and you'll put other people in the same thing you have. So that's a physical manifestation of a spiritual problem. They are dominated by the devil, so what do they want to do? They want to dominate somebody else. They are being tortured by the devil, so they want to torture somebody else. But he that the Son sets free is really, really free. Really, really free. Hallelujah. There is no freedom like the freedom that you get in Christ. I'm thankful for our nation. I'm thankful, you know, even with all those things, I mean, uh, uh, there's a lot of places still have slavery, still have a, a bunch of terrible things. So uh, I'm not uh, speaking badly of our nation. I'm, I'm thankful. Uh, our nation was founded upon godly principles uh, by godly men who didn't know all the godly things that they should know, but they knew enough. I mean, we don't know everything we should know. But there is no freedom like the freedom in Christ. You will know the truth, and the truth will make you free or set you free. Jesus said, John chapter 8. You, you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free or set you free. Well, what happens? Well, as soon as you understand what Jesus is saying concerning faith, what the Word of God is saying concerning faith, uh, your whole life is different and over. Like you're a new person in Christ Jesus, but the way you used to live, this changes everything. Because Jesus said, there is nothing to impossible to him that believes. Jesus, you know, this, this fig tree was not producing figs, right? And so he went by that tree and he cursed that tree. And the next day they're coming back. And when they come back, uh, they said, Master, the tree that you cursed is dried up from the root. Like we're doing a little bit of excavation work. And so <laughs> I got this hill and... So I have this like little tree. I don't know what kind it is. It's, it's a bush tree. It's maybe like that tall. And so we keep trying to set the thing back up because I, I had to move it with a skid steer to get cables moved and stuff like that. Anyhow, I keep trying to set it back up. But that thing is like starting to wither because it keeps falling back over and it's not got its root in the ground. Well, Jesus cast that thing. And okay, so it's been withering since November. Because it's one of those kinds uh, that has green leaves. It's not a holly tree, but it's similar to a holly tree. So its leaves, if it's healthy, are green all the time. Well, it's just now beginning to lose half of its leaves. Right? It's okay, Jessica. She gave me a really sad face. Like I stepped on the puppy dog's toe or something. My neighbor is an arborist, so I try not to let him see it because he really feels like that. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, uh, I try to care for the tree as best I can but I set it up the other day and it fell right back down <laughs> so we're trying to strap it down and all that but Jesus cursed the thing and the next day it was dried up from the root I mean I suppose it was dry enough that you could have put it on a fire and all the wood branches would have burnt that's pretty miraculous and so they're impressed at this dried up tree 
And they're like, whoa, we have never seen that before. Like, <laughs> you ever act on the word sometimes? And you're kind of like, uh, it's new to you? And you're kind of like, oh, maybe it's concerning giving or something? A lot of times people will be like, whoo, There's somebody, somebody, part of the church, you know, they hadn't they uh, really tithed before, and they started tithing within the last year. And, uh, man, within 30 days of starting to tithe, they got, like, offered new job, more money, all this type of stuff, you know. And sometimes you're taking that first step of faith, and you're kind of like, uh, uh, I know God said it, feel it in my heart, but your flesh is kind of like, Really? And then your flesh gets involved, kind of like, there's no way. Like, you're going to have less because of this, because, you know, your flesh has been taught all along. Don't waste your money. Conserve your money. Bad times might come. You don't know what's going to happen. There might be a hurricane blow through uh, right up the Potomac, right up Washington, D.C., and just mess everything up. Right? All these weird thoughts that are not practical whatsoever, but in that moment, you feel like those are real, right? Uh, because the, uh, the devil is deceiving you. He's making uh, false reality appear true, I think is what you call deception. So he's creating an alternative reality and putting you in that alternative reality and getting you to kind of like respond to that alternative reality. No, I can't remember the movie, how it goes, whatever, but eat the red pill or is it the blue pill? Which one is it? I don't know. <laughs> you know, the one where they're like, they're in this matrix thing or whatever, and all of a sudden they got to eat the other pill or whatever. <laughs> Well, that's what we're talking about, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. You have to behold that. You have to look into that. You have to operate in that realm. If you don't operate in that realm, you will not partake of any of the benefits or very few of the benefits because you're trying to live the life of God with the arm of the flesh. And God said, if you try to do that, you're surely going to fail. Actually, Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. But there's not a period there. Of course, in the original language, there's no periods or commas or anything. You had to figure it out. You had to be led. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ or united to Christ or engrafted into Christ, Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Well, if you're going to live your life by the dictates of the flesh, whatever you feel like doing, whatever uh, you know, is, is a strong pull on you or whatever you think, and that is the way you are trained by the world. I mean, they're training that from kindergartners now. Whatever you feel like, you must be that. Whatever you're curious about, you must be that. God made them male and female. For the law, verse 2, for the law of the spirit of life, oh, I love this verse, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. We've been set free by the law of the spirit of life. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh for sin condemned sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who don't walk after the flesh but after the spirit. 
So you realize uh, 2 Corinthians 5.21 that we have become the righteous, you know, he became sin, Jesus became sin for us who knew no sin. Jesus didn't even know any sin. Not only did he not sin, he was not acquainted with sin. And he became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. But if you read uh, verse 1 of chapter 8, and like we just read verse 4 of chapter 8, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. It doesn't say who are new creatures or who are Christians. Although that's true, partially. But the rest of the story is who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. So you are the righteousness of God whether you feel like it or not, but you're not going to walk in the consciousness of that unless you're living by the Spirit, by the new creation that you have been made by God from the inside. Man is a spirit, has a soul, and lives in a body. And so uh, God is a spirit, John chapter 4, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So you cannot understand or communi commune with God, communicate with God through your mind. He's not a mind. He's a spirit. Wow, there's so much. All right. For they that are after the flesh, verse 5, do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit... For to be carnally minded is death. The, the, the Greek word for carnally is the same as the Greek word flesh in those other verses. So uh, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is, I love this. It doesn't just say is life, but is life and peace. Ever noticed as a believer, uh, whenever you are kind of like um, living out of your flesh, there's not a lot of peace there. I get frustrated real easy in that place. And I wonder, why, why is everything just not working? Why does it seem like if anything could go wrong, everything is going wrong? <laughs> now, just because things go wrong doesn't mean you're, you're acting out of the flesh, but when you are acting in the flesh and things start to like uh, spiral out of control, you're kind of like, oh. But to be spiritually minded, there is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor can it be. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But, they, uh, but you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwells in you, lives in you, or abides in you. If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead will also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, we're debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you will die. Now, don't make the mistake that like, 
the devil did by trying to tell Adam and Eve, like, you're going to die. You're not going to die the second you eat of that fruit. Well, they died spiritually. They had a separation from God. Well, he said, if you live after the flesh, you'll die. You ever notice if you live after the flesh, according to the dictates of the flesh, uh, what I'm talking about there, the frustration, everything, you start to experience death in different areas. Death in relationship. Death to your finances. It's amazing. I mean, something that I don't encourage you to try is stop tithing. <laughs> See how much life is in your finances. I did it once. I would never do it again. <laughs> it took me like two years to recover from it. What do they say? It's really wise to learn from my mistakes rather than your own. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. For if you live after the flesh, you'll die. But if you, through the Spirit, mortify the deeds of the body, you will live. So how are you going to overcome your body? Through the Spirit. Mortify the deeds of the body. Uh, how does a young man keep his way pure? By taking heed thereunto according to your word. What? You, you act on the word. Feed your faith, starve your doubts. Feed your spirit, starve your flesh. I don't mean don't eat food for your flesh. How do you overcome that? How do you overcome those flesh things? Well, uh, you stop feeding them, number one. How do you feed them? What are you looking at and what are you thinking about? Your mind should not be like, um, what do they call that? Public space? Public? Like technically this is a private meeting, but it's, we, we call it public. It is public, but like legally speaking, it's a private meeting. So if somebody was uh, being very foolish, we could actually kick them out. You know, but there's public space. So if you go into public space now, uh, people can take pictures of your face and they can map it on 30,000 different points. In other words, give it to Facebook or Instagram or somebody like that, right? So it's not considered private. Your mind should not be public space. Like anything can just go there. Anybody could just go there. Any thought can just stay there. Well, you can't stop thoughts from coming, but man, if you start thinking after some of those thoughts, they'll, they'll bring some friends with them. And so what do you do? Well, you can tell if you're having a lot of trouble with the flesh, I'll tell you right now what the problem is. You've been feeding that flesh. So stop feeding it. It'll become weak. Feed your spirit. How do you feed your spirit? Well, you, you know, read the word of God with the Holy Spirit. How do you do that? Well, I, I like to say, you know, Lord, I'm going to read your word now. And you said that your spirit would teach me and be my helper and reveal things to me and make it real to me. So I'm expecting now as I read your word for that to happen. And then I'm looking from the inside. I'm not looking for mental. I'm looking from a heart. And he will speak to you. He'll lead you. He'll guide you. And, um, you know, it takes time to develop your spirit. It's like developing a muscle. You know, I've been talking so much about my upper body that I've gotten conscious of it. <laughs> so I looked in the mirror the other day and I thought, man, I keep saying that in church on Wednesdays or Sundays. And I thought, now I'm probably going to have to work it out. <laughs> 
And then I thought, I wonder how much time that will take. <laughs> right? Because it's not like Jesus cursing the fig tree. Wouldn't that be great? He just muscle eyes speak to you. <laughs> I call you toned in Jesus' name. Man, everybody would look so good all the time. And then we'd all be so flesh conscious. <laughs> well, faith is doing what you hear God say. So if the Lord's dealing with you about your body, right? Hey, you, you may speak to your body. I speak to my body when I run. You know, sometimes I'll run in my, my knee. I don't know, somebody will all of a sudden hurt or something or a different part. Not real often, but sometimes. And so I speak to it while I'm running. Or my back. Well, normally within like um, maybe 100 yards, every symptom's gone. I'm fine. Why? I'm not going to put up with that. But I'm actually doing something. Right? So I'm not just waiting. I'm not just saying, okay, upper body. I call you strong in Jesus' name. <laughs> and then doing no exercise in order to strengthen it. But you could speak. You should speak to it and exercise. Right? Faith without works is what kind of faith? Dead, dead faith. You still have faith. It's just dead. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Well, stand with me if you would. That's quite a way to end, isn't it? That's okay. So overnight, you don't really learn how to be led by the Spirit of God overnight or how to hear from God. And the reason you have to hear from God is because that's where faith is at. So it's not so much like you're trying to really, um, I got to get in faith about this, I got to get in faith about this, got to get in faith about this. No, you actually, the second that you hear the Lord speak or you have the witness of his spirit concerning his word, what he is saying to you, faith is present. You know, one translation of that, Romans 10, 17, actually says that faith is awakened by hearing the Word of God. I like that because sometimes people get the mindset that, um, well, uh, I, I just got to get faith. I just don't have faith. If I just had faith, if I just had faith. Well, uh, most cases, you actually have faith. You're just not using the faith you have. But in some cases... You don't have faith in that area because uh, there's, you have no knowledge in that area, no understanding. You've never heard. Like the woman with the issue of blood, she had never heard. When she heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind. But before that, she had no hope and then no money because she'd given all her money to the doctors. But when she heard of Jesus, she studied his words for 12 years before she went. No, she came in the press behind and touch his clothes. So uh, these things are things that you start where you're at and you develop in it. Because for years and years, at different measures and different levels, you've been doing what your flesh says. Uh, maybe you've been doing more what your spirit says. That's wonderful. But even if you have, you could grow more. 
How do you grow? Well, you you grow by feeding on the word and exercising your faith. The word of God becomes real to you. It's substance. Hebrews 11.1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, that your words are like no human words. They are full of life, full of love, full of power, full of purpose, full of glory, full of freedom, full of truth. Father, we thank you for your words, that when your words come in, the light comes on. Father, we, we pray today for each and every person that's listening, Father, that we wouldn't just hear with our natural ears, but your word would gain entrance into our hearts. Thank you for your spirit that he opens up, opens up the realm of spiritual things to us, opens up the realm from which you live, opens up your word, makes it real to us, takes everything from Christ, the things of Christ, the things from you, and makes them a reality in our life, touchable in our life, manifested in our life, that we can see it, take a bite out of it, has substance. Thank you in Jesus' name. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've never received him. We're not talking about uh, going to heaven because you've done enough good things, you've worked hard enough, you've prayed enough, you've read the Bible enough. That doesn't give you any rapport with God, any connection with God, any favor with God. It shows you're interested, but it actually doesn't change anything about the course of your life and the direction of your life. When you come to Jesus, you come based on what he has done alone, not based on what you have done or what you want to be doing. So if you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus Christ, you don't have a relationship with him and you'd like to, uh, slip up your hand and I want to pray with you and for you. And man, you'll be translated out of darkness into light just like that. If you're here this morning and you were living for the Lord, but you let other things come in, uh, just got distracted by the things of the world, and you're, you're really, if you were to describe it, you are in a backslidden state. You've, you're like the prodigal son who went and just squandered all of his father's inheritance on his lifestyle. If that's you, you'd like to come back this morning, slip up your hand, we'll pray with you and for you. And finally, if you're here this morning and you've never been uh, baptized in the Holy Spirit. Man, there is, there is uh, when you're born again, you receive the Spirit, but there is an experience after that called the baptism of the Holy Spirit where you receive the power of God and the fire of God. Man, it makes such a tremendous difference in your life. If you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit and you'd like to be, slip up your hand. All right, hallelujah. Well, Father, we thank you that we have everything necessary for life and godliness through the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father, that our future is bright, that you're on, on our side, that the blood of Jesus has been applied concerning us on the doorposts of our life, that we're not living from our own strength or our own ability, 
but Father, that we live from your very strength on the inside of us. Thank you that we're your children, that we know your voice, that you lead us and guide us in the big things and the little things, and that we're developing spiritually in things that pertain to you and to your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.